Welcome to Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly business podcast that talks with entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area. And now, Between Two Trains. Welcome again to another Between Two Trains. You can hear us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Just pull us up on Stitcher or Spotify or iTunes or Google Play or just hit us up on our website at BetweenTwoTrains.com. Today we've got another great guest, but before we bring on our guest, I'm really excited. We have a first here at Between Two Trains. We have a former guest sitting in as a co-host. You might remember from many months ago, Dr. Rachel Weimer from... Remind me what the business name is, Rachel. I've already forgotten. Atlanta Restoration. Atlanta Restoration. Thank you so much. Well, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I was trying to think. It's been, goodness, six months or more. When did you come on? At least. At least, yeah. So why don't you tell us really quick what's been going on in the last six months since you came on the show? Uh, Just a whole lot of growing, which is great in the practice. Um, We're about to hit one year, right? About to hit one year, yeah, just a couple months away, which is awesome. What's that like? You've gone through maybe some of the hard stuff. Are you starting to find that things are smoothing out, or is it still a roller coaster? It's, I mean, there's still a roller coaster aspect to it, but I think that it's it's feeling much more smooth, a little more seamless, um, easier to get people in the door. (laughs) There's already there's a reputation out there, so it's good been really good excellent excellent well I'm glad you're on the show and we've got a great guest mr. Robert Evans William jr. Wilson well I'm sorry I said what did I say Robert let me repeat that we might have to cut that out and start over. it sounds like you knew you was gonna say that. Robert, Robert Evans Wilson jr. or I just like to call you Rob Thank you. Uh, welcome to the show. So, uh, you know, Rob, you are a pretty interesting guy. You're different than most of our guests because you're not only an entrepreneur, um, you're an author of books, you're a motivational speaker, you, you know, you teach, you innovate, you know, you're a leader. I could go on and on. Maybe you tell us what you like thinking of yourself as. As a storyteller. Storyteller. As a storyteller. I've heard some of your stories. Yeah. I I think that every, pretty much everything has a story behind it. It may not be an interesting story, but it might be. So I love telling stories. I love using stories to illustrate points in my articles and my speeches. So, because people are hardwired to remember stories. That dates back to our caveman days. That was the way we communicated. That was the way information was spread. That was the way information was remembered. So we're hardwired to remember stories. So if you want someone to remember your point, you tell a story to illustrate it. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So not only uh, as a storyteller, you've taken some of those stories and put them into books, correct? That's true. And, and what I found interesting is it's not just like a particular genre. I mean, you've got a kid's book, right? That's true. And tell us, let's start with that. Tell us well, about the kid's book. Okay, well, that started out as a bedtime story for my two sons. And I had read them a couple of books and I was reading them a longer book I'm not going to mention the name because it's pretty famous and they didn't like it and they said daddy we don't want to hear any more of that tell us something else 
tell us a story. So I started making up stories every night at bedtime, just off the cuff. Sometimes I would ask them for a topic or a subject. You know, they might say, oh, a rooster or a clock or something. And then I would go from there. Because sometimes starting from bare scratch was a little tough. I needed a little something. Uh, And then one night, my younger son said, Daddy, would you tell us a scary ghost story? And I said, you want a scary ghost story? Yeah, we want a scary ghost story. And I went, okay, I'll tell you a scary ghost story. So I started telling him a scary ghost story. And about, oh, 90 seconds into it, maybe two minutes, my younger son goes, Daddy, stop. You're really scaring us. <laughs> I, was like, I said, okay, well, what, what kind of story would you like to hear instead? Well, we want a funny ghost story. That's what we really want. We want a funny ghost story. So then I switched it and started telling a funny ghost story. Well, they really liked that. They wanted to hear it again and again and again. And I'm now getting bored with it. So I started adding to it and adding to it. And this continues on for, oh, months. And then they start telling their little friends about it. And this, when I go over to the school to do volunteer work, Kids are coming up to me going, Mr. Wilson, Mr. Wilson, tell us a ghost kid story. And that's what it was. The, the story was about the annoying ghost kid who, was a, uh, who bullied living kids. Really, just two in particular. And so... Your two sons. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a boy and a girl because I wanted it to be more universal. So there was a living boy and girl who were being bullied by this ghost kid. And so it's, the story starts out as kind of funny in the way he bullies the kids. And you, but then you realize he's relentless and it's not so funny anymore and you start to feel sorry for the kids and then they have to, since they're the only ones who can see the ghost, no other adults, no other kids can see the ghost, they have no one to turn to. They have to figure out how to stand up to the ghost on their own and then it gets really funny. So it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good message book for kids in that it it teaches them about bullying but on the other hand it's also a very humorous book and it's uh and it's been optioned by lead lion media potentially to become a motion picture we'll see you know i'm excited about that but uh you know these things are that's awesome (laughs) i I love it um let's change gears a little and now talk about um, what you do, because you also can help companies, right? You, oh, yeah. you're, you're an award-winning speaker, um, and I know you've come and spoken to things I've been at, like chambers of commerce and whatnot. Uh, tell us about that side of your business. Is that where you derive a, a lot of your entrepreneurial income from? Or, you know, what's, what's more, the books or the speaking engagements? I would probably love to make more money from speaking mm-hmm. it's uh it's been an up and down business in the economy we've been in okay. uh, especially since 2008 i started the business in 1997 it grew every year up until up through 2009 and then the uh the great recession kind of kicked in for me and it's been kind of a roller coaster ever since i love getting in front of people and speaking and sharing stories uh, but, you know, I also depend on my writing business as well. So I write advertising copy for companies and oh, okay. really help them increase that's revenues. That's something I didn't know you about. Oh, yeah. I knew you pretty well. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's where my speaking business began. I, um, was, uh, I was an award-winning advertising copywriter, won some pretty major awards. Uh, I was increasing revenue for a lot of clients, and I was getting some attention. And 
eventually what happened was four colleges invited me to come teach advertising copywriting and eventually settled with Georgia State because they had the most flexible schedule and uh, started teaching classes in through their small business development center and uh, this was you know not to regular students but to small business owners so I was teaching small business owners how to do their own advertising and one of the things I noticed was in the first class that I taught that it was marketed to small business owners and no small business owners attended the class but it was a full class. There was an over full class, as a matter of fact. There were 66 people in the class. And I'm polling them as they're coming into the room because I want to find out what kind of businesses they have so that I can choose ads from their industries to you know, help them understand how to best advertise. And as, and as I interview these people, I'm finding out that all of them are media sales reps, people who sell advertising space for radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, magazines, billboard companies, yellow pages, the, every, everything was represented. And finally, as everybody got seated in the room, I'm like, okay, why are you people here? I, I really didn't know. I was just clueless. And, and, and one, one woman raised her hand. She goes, well, I'm here because I work with small business owners and they, most of them are unwilling to spend additional money after paying the high cost of the advertising in my media and uh, they don't want to spend extra money with going to a design firm or an ad agency to have their ad created. So they expect me to do that for them as part of the price of the ad space or the, you know, the media space. And she goes, frankly, I don't know what I'm doing. So I came here to learn to do it better for my clients. Now, do you still teach that stuff? Or? Well, um, not as much. So I did that for five years at Georgia State. I also taught a marketing class and a public relations class. But after that initial class where it was all those media reps who came, eventually I started getting more small business owners in my classes. But that first one was just a shock. What I did was I said, boy, these people need what I'm, what I'm teaching. And so I packaged it up as a one-day seminar and marketed it directly to media outlets. Newspapers, radio stations, TV stations, uh, advertising agencies, uh, anybody. And uh, pretty soon I was traveling the country teaching and speaking on advertising. And then over time I found that the segment that I did on creative thinking was the most popular segment. And I went, oh, and I, that was my favorite part anyway, which was probably why they liked it the best. I was probably putting the most enthusiasm into that. So I started developing speeches and workshops and seminars on innovation and creative thinking. And so, that's primarily what I do today. So you have this program called the Innovator's Lifestyle. Is that where that sprung from? And, and that's, that's, what, that's what it eventually evolved into, yeah, is now a presentation I call the Innovator's Lifestyle which uh, really looks at how someone can embrace and learn to become more of an innovator, think more like an innovator so that they can recognize more opportunities, money-making opportunities that others won't see, uh, that they'll be able to deal with change with ease. They'll be able to handle change like, oh, no problem. They won't lose their head when a crisis hits. They won't run around like a chicken with his head cut off, panicking. They'll be able to deal with it in a cool, calm, collected manner. And also, they will, uh, well, they'll get a lot more out of life. 
the more you uh, develop this innovator's lifestyle, you, you'll enhance everything from your sex life to living longer to uh, <laughs> reducing the, the chances of becoming senile as you get older. There's so many benefits to it that I love sharing this with people because I feel like it, it opens you up to so many things. So it's not really just small business owners that should be coming to you for this, it sounds like. Is this something that just, I, like, who's your average customer revolving around the Airbears lifestyle program? You know, I mean, who comes to you for that? Well, I get a lot of, you know, a lot of my speaking work comes from uh, associations. Okay. And uh, that's where I, you know, so it could be an association of small business owners, or it could be an association of a very specific Chamber of Commerce or something of, like that. Yeah, yeah. I think of several yeah. places that that would be really significant. I, I mean, I think this conversation is really interesting because to be an entrepreneur, you, you have to have some creativity. But I also feel like this is probably the number one hurdle for entrepreneurs is like maintaining that creativity, understanding how to channel that creativity into something profitable or useful. So, so talk a little bit about that. I mean, how do you find um, it is to speak to entrepreneurs or, or engage them in, in enhancing their creativity? Well, typically I, I try to find out where they are in thinking about their ability because most people, well, by the time they reach adulthood, don't believe they're creative at all. They don't believe they have any creative ability. And I blame that on the schools. Yeah. And we're trained uh, as through the socialization process to conform, constantly conform to um, standardized rules and, and, and norms. And, 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 and so much so that we've, we've had to comply with all these rules. By the time we reach adulthood, we've suppressed our natural creative tendencies. And most people don't believe they have uh, any creative thinking abilities at all. And so if that's where I'm beginning from, I try to help them see that they are a lot more creative than they think they are. And there's some different things you can do. It's like one of the fun things I like to do is I like to hold up a paper clip just a standard metal paper clip and say, how many, of you's, how many of you have used one of these for something other than holding papers together? Well, everybody raises their hand. I said, well, right there, you used your creative abilities. I said, and think about all of the tasks that you do every morning from the moment you set foot out of bed to the moment you get in the car to drive to work. If you had to recreate all the shortcuts that you have created over the years, you'd never get out of the house. If you had to recreate those every morning, it would take you so much more time. And so, but all these little shortcuts that we create or little, you know, little small innovations that, that we're doing. And so I like to point this out to people so that they do realize that they have been innovative and creative and use their creative thinking all along. They just have been have just gotten to a point where they think, oh, well, I'm not doing anything massively creative, so I'm not creative. But they really are. So I know you publish a lot, you, you have the books, we talked about that, but you're also in various publications. Like I believe you have a regular column in Psychology Today. That's correct. And also something called The Uncomfort Zone. Tell us about those two things. Okay, well The Uncomfort Zone is really the same thing that runs in Psychology Today just under a different name. It's called The Main Ingredient, but it runs in 300 other, 300 or, or actually more than 300 other publications under the name The Uncomfort Zone. And so every month I will write about either something to do with innovation or something to do with self-motivation or something to do with leadership as in motivating other people 
Um, I occasionally will write about bullying since I have the kids book on bullying and sometimes just um, Oh, you know, it's kind of a, I have a broad area to write under, but you know, that's that's those are kind of the, the was that things you, I write was under. that your area of study in school? I mean, did you take were you studying psychology, or how did you get to that point? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, psychology Day was uh, was uh, actually a favorite magazine mine when I, when I was in high school and had a subscription to it, and I uh, right, so. Was, it's funny, well, it was mine too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm with two geeks here. I don't know many people in high school were reading Psychology Today, but the two people in the room with me today are Psychology Today high school geeks. Um, but that's really cool. So you, you read it and then... Well, I was fascinated by psychology. It wasn't just the magazine. I was reading every pop psychology book that came out. I just was, was fascinated by this. And my goal when I started college was uh, I was going to do a double major of psychology and pre-med with the idea of maybe becoming a psychiatrist. And uh, I ended up working uh, four years in two different mental hospitals while I was in college and kind of got discouraged. It turned you off. It really did turn me off. I saw a lot of electroshock therapy going on still. I saw, you know, people being drugged to oblivion. I don't know about today, but they were sure doing it uh, in the, the late. 1970s and early 1980s Uh, and so I was just so discouraged by that I think that if I had encountered something like cognitive therapy at the time which was born in 1976 about the time I was uh, you know going to college uh, but it was so new that it didn't penetrate you know the, the world of psychology enough that I heard about it until many years later I might have stayed with psychology Um, anyway it's always been a fascination of mine and I've, you know, continued through the years of, of just learning, you know, more and more things about psychology and what makes people tick. I'm curious about what motivates people. Part of that uh, is from my interest in writing novels. I, I want to know what motivates a character. I want it to be authentic. And I want, you know, when you read about this person, that, that their motivation is something that actually would be a real motivation and not just something created out of whole cloth. Hmm. So do you have to, like dig deep into that character to sort of understand is it like is it like these actors that are you know uh, dressing up or they, they're playing a, a hobo so they dress up as a hobo and go out and be a hobo are you getting that deep into trying to figure your characters out well I actually have written a book called and never coming back about a motion picture director uh, who has some psychological issues. It's a, actually a psychological mystery. Okay. But one of the things he does, he's a motion picture director and he, he actually trains his own actors. And that's what he does. He's a, a true method actor. He says, go out in the streets and put on a hobo outfit if you want to get the feel for what a hobo feels like. You know, go out there and really experience it so that you can fully understand what the motivations are. Hmm. And so I, I get into that a bit in the book. And so that's, uh, so it's interesting that you asked me that, that I don't necessarily do that for my characters, right. but I created a character that it has his that. actors do that. So this is a book you're still working on. It's not no, this is a book that's published. It's yeah. been published. What's it's, the name of that? It's a, it's a psychological mystery. It's called And Never Coming Back. So it's and like starts out dot, 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 and, and never, never coming like back. Like finishing the end of a sentence. Sure. And Never Coming Back. Nice. All right. And so I can pick that up on Amazon? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Or I got one of my car. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, all right. I can pick one up for free. <laughs> but, yeah. um, well, 
we're we're gonna take a commercial break in just a second but before we do there was one other thing i noticed in your bio which had to do with humor i love humor and you've actually won some things around humor tell, tell <laughs> us about tell us about that well um that was a, I, I won a bunch of contests uh, in Toastmasters oh, back okay. in the uh, late 1990s. And uh, one of them was a humor speaking contest. And I went all the way to the state with that. Placed second. Okay. Uh, so, That's uh, impressive. Well, thank you. Uh, now, the guy who won was definitely a little more cool, calm, and collected than me. I was uh, uh, just starting uh, as a professional speaker that year. Uh, and So uh, would you call that comedy or it's just different than comedy it's different than comedy because it's uh you're you're really a lot of humor speaking is telling humorous stories right. and that's really more what it's about right. and so instead of punchline jokes it's a story that's funny and, and mine was you know probably a little more closer to punchline jokes uh because i had a lot of you know little jokes rather than telling one long humorous story i uh, had bunches of little stories that i connected together that uh created um you know the the overall humor gotcha. and uh basically at the time uh i did this in 1997 when cell phones were relatively um new sure. and did a bunch of prank call humor is as stories of you know prank calls that i had actually made nice. as a kid and uh so and did you know so that was kind of the core of my humorous speech where i won uh second place in the state awesome. Well, we have to take a short commercial break to hear from our sponsors, but when we come back, we're going to play a fun game called Hot or Not. I'm not sure if you've heard of Hot or Not, but we'll ask you some, some things, and you can tell us whether they're hot things to do or not such hot things to do. You've been listening to Between Two Chains. We'll be right back after these messages. Looking for an affordable, functional, and creative space to work? Check out 3411 Coworking in downtown Chambly. They have flexible month-to-month -month office space options that include fiber internet, meeting rooms, printing, coffee, snacks, and networking events. 3411 Coworking is the perfect place for entrepreneurs, remote workers, and small business owners looking for a one-stop shop for your professional needs. Stop by for a tour Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and see how 3411 Coworking can work for you. Welcome back to Between Two Trains. Uh, we have Rob Wilson with us and uh, we've been listening to him tell us some stories and tell us about his business and we are going to play hot or not rachel you got the first one for us i do i do this one i'm really curious about because you do talk a lot about creativity and innovation so what what are your thoughts on should you have a business plan is a business plan hot or not wow um you know i'm gonna say hot you need a business plan however i don't want you to get too caught up in your business plan. Uh, if you spend too much time getting your ducks in a row, you're never going to get your business started. It's better to get it started and learn as you go along, make some mistakes. You know, failure leads to, to later on successes because you learn so much from it. So I'm going to say hot, but with a caveat. Yeah, like you know, that. yeah, that's, that's a good answer. Mm -hmm. And we've had a number of guests get asked that hot or not. And it, it is interesting. The the entrepreneurs that have a little more longevity to them, I'm not saying you're old, <laughs> but the ones that have a little more longevity to them sort of answer like that. Mm -hmm. the, the ones just starting out, I've seen like, well, I guess I need to write this down and create a plan and, and whatnot. Um, I will tell you, 
now having been a financial planner for 19 years, I've gotten to the point where pretty much know what I'm doing, but I still every year, usually around November, mm -hmm. December, I will map out maybe not a, a, um, you know, a business plan, but sort of a list of goals for the next mm -hmm. year. How many new clients do I need? What kind of revenues do I need to hit? You know, action items for the year. And that's sort of my business plan. So yeah, when I first, when I first graduated, I tried to start a practice and I, I had this detailed business plan, you know, all, all sorted out to a T and it didn't go well. Yeah. And then this time around, so six and a half years later, I started a business and I decided to just throw the whole business plan out and instead I made goals. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like that. I'm you know, big I, on the goals. Yeah. I think it's a great way to go about it. It gives you something to shoot for. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I take it a step further. So every Monday morning, I make a short, well, I take a post-it note and I make a short little list of goals for that week for, the whole week. for oh, that right, week yeah. and I keep that post-it note right by my computer and that way because you know I can waste time really easily especially with a computer mm -hmm. reading emails and doing stuff but having that little list of goals sort of brings me back okay I got to focus on that and what's even better is come Friday at the end of the week I can look and see look at all the things I checked off that list this was a successful week or oh my goodness I missed half the list you know I gotta do better next week well I have owned or started nine businesses and those which really evolved organically without a lot of planning have been the most successful yeah and so uh, that's why it, but then once I've been along into it a ways then I needed to form the business plan yeah. to take it further yeah so I think that's great advice and those of our listeners that are thinking of starting a business absolutely reach out to us we can sort of tell you how to go about that we've got some collective knowledge here in the room between the three of us that I'm sure we'd love to share so let's do another hot or not um, so you mentioned, I believe, earlier in the segment uh, at one point, I think you mentioned about getting divorced. <laughs> so the, the hot or not, and I did this last episode, I want to do it again, um, being married to an entrepreneur, did, is that a hot thing or not such a hot thing? Did that come in any way into play with your divorce? Um, yes and no. Because I was also married to an entrepreneur as well. Oh, we so two A-type personalities. Right. So we both had our own businesses. And uh, that, you know, in many ways probably was part of what led to its demise. Um, so the question then is, is that a not hot thing to do? I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's, um, I like the entrepreneurial spirit in a person and so I, I find that very attractive so I'm gonna still say it's hot it's hot to yeah. marry an entrepreneur I'm gonna say it is yeah I think this is your favorite question I, did I use this on use I think you did. yeah I think you did there are two that I use a lot yeah. that is definitely one it's a hard that is a hard question to answer because I think entrepreneurs like you said are attracted to that entrepreneurial spirit yeah. but it is difficult to be with someone you know, equally as type A. Well, I will tell you that a big challenge when you have one uh, in a couple, and I've been married for a long time, over 20 years, been with my wife for going on 26 years now. And um, it's tough when one person is sort of that type and sort of 
drives everything into their work and wants to constantly improve their work and then it sort of affects the home balance and if that other person who's maybe just more of a hey I'm I'm a worker bee I go to work I have a great job I enjoy the job but at the end of the day I'm not a business person they sometimes don't understand That's why true. you're continuing to work. Mm -hmm. I sometimes yeah. envy that that you can leave the office and you're done. Yeah, because mm -hmm. when you're when There's you're self-employed, when you're an entrepreneur, you really work around the clock. Uh, you're I, always thinking about it. You're all there's always you know some some detail that you might go work on in the middle of the night, oh, whatever yeah. it may be. Uh, there's always something that needs to be taken care of, and you can never really fully step away from it oh yeah uh, I, had to, I picked up a new client recently and they um something came up and i said well you, you should have reached out to me they're like well it was like eight o'clock at night i said i'm working at yeah. eight o'clock yeah. at night the mental load i'm, I'm working all the time yeah absolutely well i have clients in california i'm you know working with frequently you know late in the time difference they yeah. you know <laughs> six o'clock their time they're still wanting to call me I'm right <laughs> rachel you got any, another hot or not for us? Uh, I do. Um, uh, with the marketing. So you talked a lot about marketing. Ooh, um, I like where this is going. I know. Marketing these days, I think, is difficult because you've got all the social media. You've got print marketing. You've got you know, open networking marketing. I don't know. What's, what's the question there? What kind of hot or not question could that be? What, what's, what kind of, what's hot in terms of marketing? What's, what's your recommendation? Well, how do you, let's, let's, instead of calling it a hot or not, how do you market? Yeah. What do you do to well, market yourself? I have found that to be a challenge in recent years, uh, more than I ever have in the past. And the main thing you want to do is to identify wh what media your target market or your target audience is attending. Mm. And uh, I have found that a lot more challenging in recent years. But if you can identify that clearly, that's where you want to, to market. That's, uh, and whether that's, you know, in a particular media source or whether it's, you know, something more fundamental like direct mail or email marketing. If you can identify your target audience really well, then you can, you know, you can communicate with them. But if you can't do that, if you can't figure out where they are, what media they attend, then that's going to make. Well, that I think a it would probably challenge be challenging for you because you've got a couple of different target audiences. Since you've got the books and you've got the speaking engagements, and maybe they're not necessarily the same audiences. Obviously, the children's book right. is going to be a completely different audience. So typically, what happens for me is that things get pushed to the side, and I focus on just the one that pays the best. Okay. Okay. All right. you know. uh, that answer, I think that and, answer. And is that the advertising copy? Is that the one that pays the best? No, speaking pays the speaking best. Speaking does pay the best. Yeah, speaking pays the best. So how do you pick up copies. a speaking client? Well, I, uh, I I market to associations because they hold conventions and conferences multiple times through the year. And if you have a conference, you need speakers. And if you want to continue to attract people to your association and to attend your conferences, you need to have good speakers. And so uh, I do put on a very entertaining program and I feel like I, you know, help them, you know, get in more, more people and uh, by, by showing value with their conferences. 
And so that's what I have not figured out in 21 years of speaking professionally is how to market directly to corporations that hire speakers. And I know a lot of them do, and I have been hired by them, but it's just been word of mouth mm -hmm. where someone has told them about me. I don't know how to market to them. If I did, I, I would love to, but there's not. Well, okay, for give you an example. Within an association, there is a person on staff that hires speakers. They're called an event planner yeah. or a meeting planner. But within a corporation, you don't necessarily have that type of person working there. You know, the person hiring a speaker might be a sales manager, might be somebody else entirely, yeah. might be a customer service manager. Um, I was hired by a customer service manager to speak to IBM a number of years ago, and they uh, it was a, it was. Uh, well, I did a couple of speeches for them. It was a huge audience because they wanted me to speak to all of their customer service people uh, at one of their conferences. And so, um, so that was completely different. But I've also I've been hired many times by sales managers to you know motivate their staff, you know, get them you know pumped up to want to sell more. So I'm going to give varies. you a tip here. Okay, right. here's what I think you should do. Here's my <laughs> advice. Um, I think you should use LinkedIn for that. And the reason is because LinkedIn is such a great resource to sort of sort through people at companies. And you start at a certain level, because you're right, you mm -hmm. may not necessarily know what the title of the person is, but if you start with a general, okay, I'm gonna go after a manager level, and I do a search in LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna hit up all the companies, the big companies here in Atlanta, you know, Coca-Cola, Home Depot, you know, we've got so many, State Farm, Mercedes-Benz, mm -hmm. uh, and use LinkedIn to make those connections and then propel that relationship to get that speaking gig. That would be my suggestion. Okay. Is I think that's the, the meeting because you're not going to send them a postcard. You know, you're probably not going to pick up the phone and call them. Mm -hmm. You're definitely not going to go knock on their door. No, I think LinkedIn's very valuable. In fact, yeah. my very last speech I was hired for was through LinkedIn. Through LinkedIn, yeah. yeah it's a great, hired, it's a I great have been a number of times through LinkedIn, through LinkedIn connections. I so. think the great thing about LinkedIn is it weeds out the BS of Facebook and mm -hmm. Twitter, where people are just wanting to tell about eating lunch or you know they're they're walking through the woods. You know, with LinkedIn, it's all right. This is a professional network. It's mm -hmm. for professionals. But anyone can be a professional, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're self-employed or you work for a company. It's such a great resource, in my opinion. Oh, I agree, and I, I like it, you know, for that. It's probably my favorite social media source for that reason. Well, we have come to the end of our time. We have to wrap it up. Before we go, though, Rob, why don't you tell us where we can find you if if we have a listener that wants you to come speak at their organization? How should they get in touch with you? Uh, go to your website. The easiest way is to go to my website. Which it's is? real simple. RobWilsonSpeaker.com RobWilsonSpeaker.com Rob Wilson If they want to hire me as a writer, I also have one called RobWilsonWriter.com <laughs> So I have two websites. All right. But also, um, if they remember my full name, Robert Evans Wilson Jr., and Google that, they can find out all sorts of stuff about, you know, I, good, my articles. No, they can find my articles. They right. can find, you know, you know, videos I've done, just different things. If I go to Amazon and put in your name, will your books come up? Yes, all of them will. Yes, so all, you can all buy your books Amazon. on Amazon. You can come to your website and mm -hmm. call you up and get a speaking engagement. Right. 
Excellent. Lots of ways to find me if you remember my full name. If you look for Robert Wilson, you'll never find There's me. There's probably a lot Neil of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I love my name. There's oh, yeah. like no okay. other Van Pappas <laughs> in the country. Um, so, Rachel, since we have you on, I, I, I want to thank you for coming on and being a co-host. Thank I'd you. like to invite you to come do more of these, I would love to. if you will. And since you are on, why don't you tell people again how to get a hold of you? Sure. Atlanta Restoration Chiropractic Come. Yeah. Great uh, space that Rachel has. I've been over there. She's treated me. Uh, I probably need to come back. I'm in the middle of some uh, physical therapy right now. So when that's over, I'm going back to Rachel Perfect. Uh, to, to get her to Looking check Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, everyone, again, you can hear us on BetweenTwoTrains.com or your favorite podcasting app. And thanks for listening. Bye.